We started last month a new series entitled Before and After, in which we're talking about transforming our life, making changes in our life that will leave us different people. We talked last month about transforming the way that we study the Bible, making some small changes to the way that we study our Bible so that we are transformed more and more by God's Word. In fact, we kind of... Uh, talked about it in terms of taking a spiritual selfie, you remember, and saying, this is where I am today, but I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to change. I'm going to be different in three months than I am today. And so now that we're a month into this before and after transformation, it's a good opportunity for a weigh-in, so to speak, right? To kind of stop and take inventory and say, what changes have I made? What transformation am I seeing? And, and and I'm pretty sure that there's some of us that we could say, you know what, if I'm real honest, I really haven't made any changes. I've thought about making some changes. I've considered making some changes. I've, I've said I was going to make some changes, but I really haven't changed very much. I, I really don't read the Bible any more than I used to, and I really don't read it any differently than I used to. I should, but I haven't yet. Uh, and, and others of you, maybe you, you've made some changes and you're not... You're not quite seeing the transformation that you hoped that you would see. And so maybe you're a little bit discouraged. And then I'm sure that there's some of you that have made some changes and you're beginning to see a transformation in the way you think about God, in the way that you treat others, the way you talk, the way you think, the way you act. But wherever you are, I want to encourage you to persevere. I want to encourage you to stay on track, to commit yourself to being the person that God would have you to be and to live out that transformation. And no matter what kind of changes you have or you haven't made so far, today's a new day. Amen? Amen. Today's a new day. Today's a new week. We're beginning again. We're beginning fresh, receiving and appreciating and praising God for His grace and saying, today, I'm going to make some changes. And we're going to talk today and the next few weeks about our prayer life and about changing and transforming the way that we pray. You know, I was thinking a minute ago that, that we're all very different people, aren't we? And as you look around the auditorium, you see all different kinds of people at all different stages of their life. And so you have different problems going on in your life than people on the other side of the auditorium have going on in their life. But one thing makes us all the same, I think, this morning. We all have something weighing on our mind, don't we? There's, there's something that's weighing on our mind. Maybe it's sin that we've committed and we're feeling a great deal of shame and guilt. Hoping that nobody else knows about the sin that we've committed. Or maybe, maybe it's grief that's weighing on your mind and your heart. Maybe you've lost somebody recently or maybe someone that you love is at the end of their life. And so there's a heavy heart within you this morning. Or, or maybe there's your job is weighing on you. Or maybe your marriage is weighing on you. Or maybe your children are weighing on you. Maybe who knows what is weighing on you. But that's something that is the same, I think, across this auditorium this morning, is that we all have things weighing on our mind. And, and so part of us and part of what we should do in our prayer life is take those things to God. Amen? We should ask God to help us with those things. But church, sometimes our prayer life is limited to asking God to solve our problems. 
Now, don't get me wrong, we should ask God to solve our problems. We should ask God to help us with those things that are weighing on our hearts and our minds. But our prayer life should not be limited to asking God to solve our problems. Our prayer life should not be limited to supplication, asking God for something. We have to begin our prayers with adoration. We have to begin our prayers with praise. We have to have that as an integral part of our prayer life. You see, this goes to a broader subject that I want to touch on throughout this series this month. That sometimes we simply pray what's on our heart. Sometimes we simply just go to God and we pray. And that's good. But if we don't allow Scripture to train us how to pray... And it should, shouldn't it? Scripture should train us in every area of our life. It should equip us to be men and women of God. And we have to allow Scripture to teach us how to pray. If we don't allow Scripture to teach us how to pray, then there's going to be vast areas of our prayer life that are sorely lacking. We might be active prayers, or maybe there's some of us that don't pray as much as we should. But surely all of us can learn a little bit more about how God would have us to pray. You know, I think about Jesus' disciples asking him, asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. And do you remember how he began that? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, our distinguished uh, Dr. Fair, he wouldn't like me pointing him out, but he taught me something the other day. Um, Brother Fair taught me that, that that's a part of three requests that we're making of God. That we're saying, our Father who is in heaven, may your name be hallowed. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those three go together. We're asking God, may your name be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. May it be treated as holy on earth as it is treated holy in heaven. May it be respected on earth as it is respected in heaven. That's my prayer. That's my wish. That's my desire. That's at the very heart of me is God, your name, your name is so precious. Your name is so wonderful. Your name is so holy. Your your name is so revered that my hope, my wish, my desire is that the whole world hallow your name as heaven hallows your name. That's got to be a part of our prayer life. That kind of adoration for the name, for the reputation, for the person of God. We must adore Him. And that has to show in our prayer life. Psalm 145. That's going to be our text this morning, and I'm so glad that so far we've already hit it several times. Phil mentioned it in our communion focus. Derek read it for us. Uh, the Talmud says about Psalm 145 that everyone who repeats this Psalm of David three times a day may be sure that he is a child of the world to come. This ought to be a part of Scripture that teaches us how to praise our God. How to pray to our God. And we might say, well, Wes, that's a part of the Old Testament, isn't it? But but I'll tell you, the more you know Jesus, the more you see Jesus for who he is, the more this psalm and so many of the psalms become even more relevant than they were before. 
because we see so much more truth. Look at what David says in Psalm 145 and verse 1. I will extol you. I will praise you. I will exalt you, my God. And maybe a better translation than my God and king. Some suggest that it should be my God, the king. And when we see Jesus for who he is, Jesus, God in flesh, come to be king. My God, the king. And bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Again, name doesn't just mean the letters that form the word that is the word that refers to a person. By name, we not only mean that, Yahweh, we we also mean His renown, His reputation, His fame. And David commits himself to saying, I will bless your name. In other words, I will, I've been talking a lot this week about taking a knee or showing respect or, you know, that, that's been on our news a lot. But, but literally, to bless means to salute, to bow on your knees before. I will bless your name. I will praise your name today, every day, forever. And ever, I will bless your name. I will praise your name. Now, church, listen. If we want to transform our prayers in such a way that our lives are transformed as a result, then this is the commitment that we need to make. We need to make the commitment that every day, I will bless your name. Every day, I will praise your name. Forever and ever I will bless and praise your renown, your fame, your reputation, who you are and what you have done. I mean, stop and think about your prayers. Do your prayers reflect this kind of name blessing and name praising? Do your prayers reflect this kind of adoration? And what I, I want to skip to the end of the sermon before I really get started. But but what I want us to see is that when we adore God in prayer this way, it changes our perspective on everything. When we adore God in prayer, when we commit, I will bless and praise your name every day forever and ever. When we commit and recommit daily to that kind of adoration of God. It changes our perspective on our marriage problems. It changes our perspective on our problems with our children. It changes our perspective on our grief. It changes our perspective on our struggle with sin. It changes our perspective on our economy or on the way things are going in our country or on our personal finances. It changes our perspective on everything. Church, if you want to transform your prayers, then commit to blessing and praising the name of God every day, forever and ever. Verse 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and His greatness is unsearchable. That's good, isn't it? 
God's greatness is unfathomable. It's beyond comprehension. It's immeasurable. And isn't that great what David says? David says, your greatness is unsearchable. In other words, I, I can't even begin to understand how great you are. And, and even if I could understand it, I couldn't describe it. There's no way I could find adequate words to describe your greatness. And then he goes on for the next 18 verses and tries to describe his greatness. Do that. Do that in your prayers. Church, do that in your prayers. Tell God, God, you, you are so great. I can't possibly find the words to describe how great you are. But watch me as I try. But Lord, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to find the words to tell you how much I love you, how much I adore you, how much I revere you, how much I respect you, how I want to honor you, how great and how marvelous you are and the things that you have done are great. And church, I don't know about you, but I I can't even begin to find the words. But that's what's so powerful about praying Scripture. Not just, not just meditating on Scripture, we ought to do that. Not just allowing your mind to be saturated with Scripture, we ought to do that. But church, listen, if you're like me, and you don't have the words to describe the greatness of God, then take His Word and pray it to Him. And you say, well, Wes, I thought we were supposed to pray from our heart. I thought we were supposed to mean what we pray. Absolutely, you're supposed to mean what you pray. Don't don't you think what's written in Scripture is true? And when we sing songs, don't we put songs up on a screen or read them out of a book and we say, I'm going to sing these things, these words that are true. I didn't come up with them. I didn't invent them. I didn't make them up. I couldn't write a song to save my life. But I'm going to sing them to my God because they're true. And church, there's no better place to go to find the words for prayer than in Scripture. Pray Scripture to God. You want to transform your prayer life? Then, then take the blessings that the, the psalmist and, and the inspired writers lay out for us and pray those truths back, back to God. Verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation shall commend your works to another. Last night, and, and church, I don't, I don't pray this way as I should, but last night as I was thinking through today's sermon and the last few days as I've been thinking about this, I, I tried to let the words of this psalm shape my evening prayers with my family. And so last night I was praying the first few verses of Psalm 145 in our family devotional time. And Noah, my, my, my youngest, prayed right after that. And, and he said a few thank yous to God for a few things. And then he just kind of stopped for a minute and he paused. And he said, and Daddy was right. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> that, that was his way of saying, ditto. Dads, granddads, moms, grandmothers, aunts and uncles. The next generation needs to hear you bless the name of God. The next generation needs you to praise the name of God every day, forever and ever. Yes, they need to hear you ask God for things. And we'll talk about supplication as this series goes on. They need to hear you request of God. They need to hear you depend on God. But they need to hear you praise and bless the name of God every day, forever and ever. They need to, from generation to generation, tell of God's greatness. Do they hear that in your prayers? 
Does God hear that in your prayers? Verse 4. That's verse 4. Let's go on to verse 5. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. Church, good prayers begin with meditation on the person and the work of God. Good prayers begin with meditation on the person and the work of God. We will praise God better the more we meditate on who He is and what He's done. Verse 6, They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. Do you see, when this psalm was originally written, it was written as an acrostic using almost every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You know, that might be a good exercise for you and me to to try to come up with a praise for God of every letter of the alphabet. Do you see how, do you see how his qualities, his characteristics are laid out? His awesome deeds, his greatness, his abundant goodness, his fame, his righteousness, his graciousness, his mercifulness, his ability to be slow to anger, his abounding and steadfast love, that he is good to all and he is merciful. This is what makes for good prayer. Think about who God is. Make a list of his qualities and characteristics and works and deeds, and pray those back to God. Let Him know how much you adore Him. And isn't that true in any relationship? Isn't that true in your marriage? I mean, if you never, husbands, if you never tell your wife that you adore her, if you never tell her what you like about her, if you never tell her what you appreciate about her, how solid do you think your relationship will be? Wives, if you never tell your husband why you respect him, why you adore him, why you're glad he's your husband, how solid do you think your relationship will be? We've got to verbalize these things. And it draws our hearts closer together, doesn't it? The same is true with prayer. We've got to verbalize these things. God knows he's good, right? God knows he's great. God knows he's merciful. God knows he's abounding in steadfast love. God knows those things about himself. But you need to verbalize them because it's good for your relationship with him. Verse 10. All your works shall give thanks to, all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. Again, as we think about the things that the psalmist has said by inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, it makes even more sense to us than it did to him, I'm convinced. That God is abounding in steadfast love, that he is gracious, that he is merciful, that he is slow to anger, that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, his dominion endures throughout all generations, the glorious splendor of his kingdom... Don't we see all of those things become manifest in the person and the work of Jesus Christ? How much more can we pray these words than even the psalmist did? 
How, how, how much clearer have they become in the eyes of the follower of Jesus than they were to the Israelites who prayed these prayers and sang these praises? Do you pray about the glory and splendor of the kingdom of Jesus Christ in which you now are a citizen? Do you pray and praise God for the citizenship you have in His everlasting kingdom, in His glorious kingdom, in the splendor of His glorious kingdom? Do you pray about that? Do you adore Him for what He's done for you in the cross? Verse 14, The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Do you see that? You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His works. Every good thing that happens is because of our God. Every time, every time a little chick is born and hatches out of an egg, that's our God that did that. Every time, every time a horse gallops across a meadow, that's our God who did that. Every time an eagle swoops down and catches his prey, our God has fed him. Every glorious and good thing that happens on this earth, God deserves glory and praise for that. But how often does a day go by, or a week go by, or a month go by, or dare I say years go by, and God's people fail to give Him praise for all the glorious things that He does, how He satisfies the desire of every living thing. Look at verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. Comes full circle, doesn't it? The psalm comes full circle. Most importantly, God ought to be adored because He is a God who saves He was a God who saves in the Old Testament, and He's a God who saves under the New Covenant. He's a God who saves through Jesus, His Son. And we've seen His salvation like no other people had ever seen His salvation. We've experienced His salvation. Of every tribe and every tongue and every people, we've come together as the people who can say, God is a God who saves. And we ought to be a people who Adore Him. But church, listen. Here's what I want us to take away. Adoration. Adoring God in prayer puts everything in perspective. This morning as I was driving here, and y'all probably saw it too, but the the hot air balloons. And and I was thinking that's a perfect, that's a perfect analogy. That's a perfect metaphor. The, the higher it goes, the smaller everything else, everything else seems, right? The, The closer it gets to the heavens, the smaller and the more insignificant everything else seems. It puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? I've never been in a hot air balloon, but I've been on an airplane and I've climbed a mountain. And as I've stood at the top of a mountain and I've looked down, I thought, oh, how small my problems seem now. Oh, how small everything else seems now. 
When you're right there in the midst of it, it seems so big and so overwhelming and so confusing and so crushing to your spirit. But the more you're lifted up in prayer, the more you lift God up in prayer, the more you ascend the mountain of praise and look down, everything else is put in proper perspective. You see, someday this body's going to die. Someday my wife probably will, I know she doesn't like to think about this, but will have to have a funeral for me. And I'll tell you, the overwhelming theme of that funeral, I want it to be praise of God. Praise of Jesus Christ who has saved me and who will raise me from the dead. Because in light of the adoration of the God who saves, my death is a small thing. It puts it in proper perspective. Adoration of God puts everything in proper perspective. So I want to encourage you this morning, church. Either make this a part of every prayer you pray, or, maybe better yet, pray a prayer of adoration every day. Commit to the same thing the psalmist committed to. I will bless and praise your name every day, forever and ever. And church, we're going to help you do that because it's hard, isn't it? So every day, if you're a member here and we have your email address, and if you haven't received it, then let us know because we'll fix that. We're going to send you an email that throughout this month, we're going to focus on praying. And so we're going to send you an email to help you with your prayers. But but then we also are going to have life groups three times this month. And we're going to get together and we're going to work on praying prayers of adoration and confession and supplication and all of these areas of prayer that Scripture teaches us to pray. Because we're in this together, church. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard when, when you're overwhelmed with life circumstances to rejoice or to praise or to adore. But as Paul says over and over again, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I'll say rejoice. Because although our circumstances may be dire, if we're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation and death has no power over us. Jesus has given us victory over death, victory over life circumstances, and we can, above all people of the earth, praise and thank and bless His holy name for who He is and what He's done. And I want to encourage us to make that an active part of our prayer life because adoration changes our perspective on everything. If we can pray for you, if we can encourage you, we want to do that this morning. There's a room in the back. Our elders would love to meet with you, pray with you, whatever they can do for you. Or maybe you're not yet a child of God and you want to commit your life to being one of His people, to having your sins washed away and be resurrected from that water to live a life of faith in Jesus, to walk with Him, to allow Him to be your shepherd and to praise and bless His name every day forever and ever. If we can help you with any of those things, you can come forward, you can meet with the elders as together we stand and sing.